Sairam dear listeners and welcome to today's episode of Afternoon Satsang as we have been doing for quite some time now this is the fortnight where we delve into the nectar story of Lord Shri Rama as penned by our dear own Bhagwan so this week too we shall be doing that this is the first week of the Ramakatha fortnight and as per tradition we begin by offering our humble salutations at the lotus feet of our beloved bhagwan and to hanuman who is ever present wherever the ramkatha is discussed is sung is told and narrated having done that we shall all begin by invoking the sweet name of rama thinking of the beautiful form of rama and becoming one with that name and form so that we shall be able to get inspired and fill our hearts with love as we listen to this sweet story rame rame manorame sahasra nama tatulyam rama nama varanane that we begin this week's ramakatha swayani as always and we we were in that part of the story where the build has been bridged the the bridge has been built i'm sorry and uh, we saw that it took about 5 days and you know, graphically swami describes how each day a certain number of yojanas were covered and eventually that 100 yojanas was covered in that 5 days and uh, the army is all ready to start the journey towards this island kingdom of lanka and that's where we were yes uh, in fact it is mentioned that uh, it is 20 21 22 23 yojanas right. and the first day is 17 or 14 i mean 14 14 right. yes it adds up to a total of 100 yojanas uh, and yes the bridge was complete and we are all waiting for rama and the army to proceed along the bridge but prem if you remember there were a few things that we uh forgot to mention in our excited flow during the previous fortnight and so we had thought that we will begin with those few things which are very very important which carry a wonderful message for all of us as we begin this week's ramkatha uh, rasavaini satsang and uh, when we speak about bridge building whenever anybody speaks about the bridge building in the ramayana there is one little tale that is often mentioned a tale that gives us hope inspiration it also gives us the feeling gives gives us the conviction that the lord always looks for the quality of work for the intention behind our actions not about the quantity of work and that's why i say it gives hope because however small we are however insignificant we seem to be we have the capacity of pleasing the lord as completely as fully as anybody else in the universe and the story that is often told here is the story of the little squirrel 
Right. And uh, as the story goes, you know, when this bridge was being built by these Panaras, and as we said, it was such a mammoth effort because they were bringing boulders, hills, hillocks, and, you know, even small mountains from distances unimaginable. And you can imagine the, the enormity of the work each of those Panaras were doing. And in the course of this bridge building, there is this little squirrel who, who thinks that, you know, even I would like to contribute in this. And you can imagine that there's nothing much this squirrel could have done. So Swami describes that, you know, the squirrel goes up to the water, it dips its uh, tail in the water, then, right, and goes back to the shores and, uh, you know, puts it over the sand which is there in the shores and walks, you know, in the bridge which is already constructed and then it kind of drops those grains of sand on the bridge. To fill up the little right, gaps. Fill up the little gaps and to cushion the, uh, you know, the whole pathway. And it does this through the entire process of that bridge building and uh, the story goes that Lord Rama sees this, you know, this act of selflessness by this squirrel and uh, moved by this gesture of devotion, he, you know, calls the squirrel to to himself and strokes the back of that squirrel, you know, with his uh, three fingers. And the legend has it that that's why the Indian squirrels, especially in the southern uh, part of India, you'll see squirrels with three strokes in their back. Three black stripes. Right, black stripes. That is a permanent mark of gratitude that the Lord left on the back of this humble creature. Right, and it's very, uh, it's very striking that you, know, you can clearly see those three lines. And I mean, I've seen squirrels elsewhere; they don't have that. You know, there are huge squirrels, especially uh, I think even in the West. If you see on television, you see many of these varieties of squirrels. They're really big. I mean, as big as a football, you know. But you'll never find those three stripes in their back. See, that is the uh, classic conflict, uh, apparent conflict, when uh, they start finding reasons as to why the three black stripes are there. And, you know, they say that it helps the squirrel in camouflaging and all such things. But, uh, come on, like Swami would often say in a beautiful shloka, who gave the parrot a green body and a red beak? <laughs> who gave the peacock such colorful feathers? I mean, actually, if we look at it, it is... It is impossible to find an actual reason for the great variety that we see around, you know. And many times our so-called scientific reasons often turn out to be like, you know, force-fitting to just just come up with some explanation for the sake of the explanation. It is as uh, good as an explanation as Rama, you know, stroking the squirrel with uh, his three fingers. Everyone says that this is a myth, mythological tale, but the same thing can be said about all the different explanations that are given about different species of animals. Just because a scientist speaks it doesn't mean that it becomes more logical or truth than the others because it's all in the past and we all can see only that much in the past. I think even if you even if we were to talk of it as a mythological story and account which is passed on like that, it's it's such a beautiful thing. I think as as people who are, you know, who are witnessing it, I think we should acknowledge the fact that it's a very very good thing to do. Because uh, you know, Swami when he speaks about some devotee like Radha or somebody, you know, Swami would say that how every object actually reminded her of Krishna. Hmm. You know, she would see the evening sky and she would remember the complexion of Krishna. She would hear the cuckoo sing and she would remember the you know the playing of the flute at the shows of Yamuna. So she actually, I mean, that was an exalted state she reached because she was able to connect everything with God. And, you know, here is a tradition, here is a culture which actually tried to do that for all of us. 
be it true or not you know forget it's a legend or whatever you look at it as but here is a very good gesture here is I mean our ancestors who thought that every time this little squirrel is seen you know if people can remember Lord Rama if people can recount this thing and it's not simply a random story it's such a beautiful story because it's so significant because here is a story which says that you know probably some of the vanaras who were contributing to that building of that bridge might have thought that oh what an enormous work we are doing you know mm. how well we are contributing but here is the squirrel who is who's probably got the same amount of acknowledgement from lord rama but the the contribution as such in in magnitude is very less in giving us all the message that you know you 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 probably would be a, a receptacle which is doing a lot of work but nevertheless you're not the one who's doing you're only the one who's being a, a conduit for what is happening around you exactly you know it reminds me of so many instances from our own bhagwan's life you know where swami rejoiced for that 100 rupees that was given to him toward, towards the construction of the super speciality hospital where the student wrote in the letter saying that swami if this is the money that i have saved by washing my clothes myself for the past couple of months and the charges that my parents give me to pay for the dhobi the washerman that i would like to contribute if with this you are able to purchase even one brick towards the building of this hospital that you have proposed i shall consider myself blessed and how blessed was that student for swami picked that letter went around everywhere celebrating and saying that look at this look at this contribution that my student has made what is 100 rupees in comparison to the crores that poured in that swami used for the building of this hospital in the same way i'm reminded of another tale you know another story in the life of uh, gautam buddha i don't know the exact details but it goes about uh, it goes about as this where in an elderly old lady actually mm-hmm. she wants to contribute and she comes to bhagwan buddha with just one measly copper coin and how buddha holds it as most valuable over everything else because she has given up her meal for the day in order to contribute you know all these things reinforce the faith that god sees quality over quantity which is the truth In fact I'm reminded of one more story from uh, the Jain um, history. Okay. The there is this uh, statue called Gomateshwara in Karnataka. Mm-hmm. Bahubali, he's one of the Tirthankars and it's at Shravana Belagola. You have to climb the hill and come across this massive statue of a person who has given up complete body attachment who has you know thrown away all his clothes and he's just standing and vines and creepers have grown around him. He's one of the jain tirthankars right bahubali and we call him gomateshwara when that statue was built mm-hmm. uh, the story goes that uh, during the mahabhishekam when it had to be done they poured down liters thousands of liters of milk okay and uh, it was a great privilege for those uh, who could pour and do that but uh, it was noticed that how much ever milk was poured mm-hmm. it never bathed the idol completely okay and along the queues of people who were trudging up the hill it's quite a difficult climb prem i have done that mm-hmm. climb uh, it's very tough very steep and it you begin to almost palpitate and you know it is so tough to climb that though it is not uh, very high but just to climb that hill is a herculean task the story goes that there was this again old lady who had come with this one cup of milk and uh, 
I think it has even been documented in uh, one in a popular comic series in India called Amar Chitra Katha. Mm-hmm. It is said that as this lady poured her cup of milk, that milk from the tip of the head of Bahubali okay. till the tip of his toe, it flowed down, and that was the milk. a cup full of milk that could bathe the entire huge statue which which was not possible even with thousands of liters of milk you know all these legends all these stories all these things that we observe it only inspires in us that we need not feel defeated we need not feel insignificant say come on what can my what can i contribute for the lord the lord is not looking towards us in terms of the quantum of contribution he is looking at us only in terms of the quality of contribution even if i contribute a few grains of sand like that squirrel did can i contribute it with my whole heart body mind and spirit such that the lord in gratitude offers me a mark that marks me forever as someone who is dear to him that is why you know uh, i feel that these stories are so beautiful they herald the truth they proclaim the truth that nobody is ins- insignificant and everybody is equal to the equal in the eyes of the lord because the lord judges us by our efforts and not by the amount of result that we are bringing in and that reminds me of another story i think it's uh, probably even a chinakatha hmm where they say that there is a kingdom where there is drought in some of the villages and the king decides that he'll ask people to contribute whatever little grains they can have so that he can use it to you know feed the people who are suffering outside so he gives this huge trunk right in the center of the city square and he says that uh, each household can come and contribute the amount of grains that they can spare right and uh, he sees that you know he he appoints some uh, ministers to have a look at uh, you know whether people are contributing so he keeps getting reports at every interval in the day saying that you know half a day has passed and this much so they find that almost like towards the end of the day it's only one quarter or one half of that uh, the trough has been filled but they find that by by the end of the day it's full so then the king says that you know who is somebody the somebody who is coming and contributing so much that it gets filled every time so then he uh, decides to himself take a look at you know who's coming and pouring this a uh, huge amount of grains into this trough and that's when he realizes that almost till the end of the day it's always only quarter or half filled and at the end of the day one old lady comes and she comes and puts the same quantity which everybody else puts but when she puts it the entire thing gets filled and that's when when he realizes he he sees that you know she is a very poor lady who sacrifices one of her meals every day so that she can do that contribution to that thing and you know i mean these are stories which really tell us in fact when you look at you know the way swami ran the organization itself that was the whole idea swami did not want people to come and contribute you know what was not uh, i mean I, i earn more than what i need i come and give you that was not the idea at all so i mean made it difficult for people like that to contribute in many mm. ways absolutely you know <laughs> we have seen of how many people in fact the other day uh, uh why the other day every uh, every time when we actually interview people of uh, who have been blessed in the financial sense they would often they will often narrate as to how difficult it is for them to even contribute something for swami they would actually feel jealous of these people you know of, of students like this boy who gave 100 rupees thinking that you know what 
they are able to contribute swami accepts how lucky are they because we would love to contribute but swami doesn't accept from us uh, it is not in any sense uh, demeaning their devotion or their quality of offering it just goes to show that for swami what is important is not the quantity what is important is the feeling behind the act you know as you were narrating that uh, story i got reminded of an- another episode from the mahabharata mm-hmm. it is the time again a very noble person you know it is yudhishthira yudhishthira is a noblest he is called dharmaraja i am narrating this because just to show that when i say that swami didn't accept from the so called effluent many times it is not that they are not noble because see after all when we consider yudhishthira who could be nobler than yudhishthira uh, who could be more dharmic than yudhishthira Mm-hmm. So Yudhishthira is conducting I think the Rajasuya Yagna mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken and uh, during that yagna uh, again I read this uh, in an Amar Chitrakatha comic really I must say <laughs> suddenly it's coming out of uh, place possibly but I would love to acknowledge the immense contribution to our Indian culture and tradition that Amar Chitrakatha has done right. because they have it has kept alive so many wonderful stories and i remember most of it from those so uh, there is a mang- there is a mongoose that comes and it's a very odd mongoose because you know half of its body is golden and shining the other half is brown and this mongoose comes in the rajasuya yagna and it is seen rolling on the floor everywhere and people notice this curious behavior and it is reported to yudhishthira and yudhishthira comes and he asks the mongoose what has happened the mongoose says that you know uh, there was it narrates a story of a brahmin family of how they would earn very little food and every day's food would be partitioned into five six pa- parts and each member of the family would eat and one day when they are about to have food a guest comes home and asks for food because he is hungry so the father gives up the food his share of the food eating which the guest says a very tasty very nice can i have some more so one by one you know this is the only meal they get for the whole day one by one each one gives up because they consider the guest as god and guess what yad bhavam tad bhavati it indeed turns out that the guest is god mm-hmm. uh, it is lord indra or someone who has come to show to the world what a great family this is swami would often say tyage nahi ke amritatva manushu and because of which this family is offered a place permanently in heaven and indra takes them to heaven at that time this mongoose says that in the last portion that was offered to the guest he didn't eat everything left there was little left over mm-hmm. and the mongoose says that it went and rolled over that the food was enough to just uh, you know touch one half of its body that much was left over and says ever since that day this half has turned golden <laughs> and since that day i have been roaming about in all the great sacrifices of the land in with the uh, hope that my other half of the body also turns golden but you know till this day it has not happened this serves to this turns out to be a humbling experience for uh, yudhishthira because a sacrifice is not measured by the amount that is given but by the quality and the intensity with which it is done and so you see yudhishthira is no mean person he is a very noble he is a dharmic is the possibly the epitome of righteousness and yet even during the rajasuya yagna conducted by yudhishthira this mongoose is not able to turn itself into complete gold so this these are very very inspiring tales and that's why i get very inspired by this little squirrel because 
come on prem after all who what are we i don't think we can compare ourselves with angada and hanuman but we can definitely relate ourselves with the squirrel because we too are like that possibly the only positive that we have is that eagerness and enthusiasm to do something for swami and what we do possibly is just like what the squirrel did the grains of sand it is putting so in times when we feel little disheartened let us remember that even those grains of sand the quality of service with which we do will thrill our lord and we are grateful to you swami for being such a wonderful lord who judges us based on efforts and not on results <laughs> that reminds me of once when we were making a card for swami and i think it used to be a practice hmm. uh, invariably we would say that swami let us be like the little squirrel in your mission or something like that uh-huh. and that's when uh, you know one of my classmates made this re- remark why are we always interested in being only the squirrel <laughs> I mean, I, mean uh, I could hmm. uh, relate to what he was saying because he said, see, even in our mind, we believe that what the squirrel did was lesser than what the, uh, you know, the other monkeys did. But hmm. from Rama's point of view, it was not any different. You know, he gave the same acknowledgement because, you know, for your powers, you did what was uh, best in, in your capacity. And they did what was best in your capacity. And he was saying, see, the, the idea is... What best we can, we will do. That will eventually be a squirrel's, uh, you know, contribution in in the bridge. You know, it will be the proportion of it. The contribution will be that much. But the idea is to give what best I can. So it doesn't make any difference if you say that let us be a squirrel in your mission or a monkey in your mission. Yeah, that that's really a very subtle but very poignant point, Prem. Because as you said, the very fact that when we tell Swami, Swami, let us be little squirrels, it <laughs> in itself shows that we are judging. Hey, after all, the squirrel, what did squirrel, it do? What did it do much? <laughs> Yeah, that's a very valid point. And so, this is a beautiful episode that took place. And another thing that we would have loved to discuss the previous fortnight was about this bridge in itself, you know. Because uh, today a lot of... uh, a lot of uh, hue and cry is being created about whether this bridge is true, whether it is false. It is uh, it is not a historical truth. In fact, uh, in India, the previous government, the UPA government, was uh, planning a project called the Setu Samudram project. Basically, the uh, water body between India and Sri Lanka is not passable by ships, and therefore, uh, any kind of transport between the western uh, coast of India and eastern coast of India happens by going around the uh, Sri, Lanka, right? Sri Lankan island. So, there was a plan to dredge this area and make a pa- causeway for a waterway for uh, ships to pass through. And actually, if we see the history of uh, this, in the earlier years, the plans were to go across Pamban island, different parts which are a little away from this Rama Setu. Mm-hmm. We had discussed about this. It is seen even from uh, satellite and NASA pictures show this. Uh, this uh, structure is very clearly seen from the southernmost tip of India to the northernmost tip of Sri Lanka. There indeed exists a bridge. And uh, NASA has claimed that this is not natural. It is not a natural formation. It is some kind of a man-made formation. It is a sad thing that our own Archaeological Survey of India, ASI, states that there is no proof that it is man-made. And the UPA government, which was in power about few years back, they actually wanted to cut this causeway right across the Rama Setu, the bridge that Rama built. Uh, thankfully, 
ecologists raise their voice speaking about how the fragile ecosystem would get destroyed there at the same time there were some of these organizations that said that it is a matter of great religious value and sentiment for us and uh, why not because when there is there are two opinions if it if at all it proves to be true this will possibly be the oldest ever st- structure built by man existing on the face of this earth and uh, uh i think we should delve a little more time on the magnificence of uh, the architecture of this bridge which was built by the engineer nala right i think we'll take a short break we'll come back and we're going to discuss about this because there as you said a lot of interesting proofs and interesting studies which have been done and how it has also helped to more or less establish the uh, account of valmiki as a historical one more than just a mythological one and i think this bridge which we still can see today plays a very important role in that proof too it actually bridges mythology and history right
भगवती राघव राजा राम भगवती राघव and we were talking about this historic bridge and definitely as we have so many facts keep coming up uh, you know these days is definitely historical more than just mythological one of the things which was always a problem for scientists to understand and accept is you know the timelines which are defined in the ramayana as we all say you know swami would say the dwapara yuga was about 5000 years ago and i think the treta yuga was many many thousands of years ago 11000 or you know 15 20000 that's what they say but definitely you know it it goes away from the historical idea which we have when we when what we have learned through anthropology and uh, some of these uh, scientific studies but uh, one interesting thing they say is you know this uh, one which can definitely not be denied is and we've spoken about this before when we go through the whole ramayana the way the geography of this entire subcontinent is described you know when you talk about where ayodhya is where uh, mithila is and that entire journey that they take you know, panchavati panchavati and dandakaranya and uh, kishkinta it completely describes the landscape and it's really stunning even if it is I mean, even if people want to claim that it's mythological how can a person who is, is a sage who probably you know would not have traveled beyond a few hundred kilometers uh, outside the place of birth he was able to describe landscapes and with you know with the vegetation with the, vegetation, with know, the kind of animals that the are there animals, you know we have skipped that part we have the skipped the weather that part. Uh. right you know all of that is described and I mean that is a different study they've done altogether they've taken the valmiki ramayana and some of the facts which have been given there have been really analyzed and said that you know you could make out that there is a certain pattern and there is a certain uh, historical pattern in which it has been written and i think one of the things they've done is they were uh, i mean i was uh, seeing a documentary the other day there is a astronomical calendar which has been converted into a software 
Hmm. Like suppose you say that there is a particular astronomical combination. The moon is in this part of the sky and this particular galaxy is in this part of the sky. If you give those inputs, the software will tell you which particular year frame or you know time period that combination was there. So they've taken the inputs from the Valmiki Ramayana and they've said, you know, there is at particular uh, places, especially like the birth of Rama or birth of some of the ancestors of Rama, there's a description of, you know, the time period in which they were born, saying that, you know, this star was in this nakshatra and you know, this nakshatra was in this zodiac sign and mm-hmm. this was the combination and all that. So they take those inputs, they input it into the software and it clearly shows that this combination was there not before 7000 years. Beautiful. And uh, the amazing thing is, Prem, uh, this thought got triggered in me when you said that, you know, the time scales don't match because uh, 7,000 years back, this has happened exactly as said in the Valmiki Ramayana. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, we have in the Hindu scriptures things that say that, you know, Dwapara Yuga lasts so many million years possibly right. and so many thousands of years, then Treta Yuga lasts so many thousands of years, then uh, there is a kind of, uh, you know, people mocking and jeering and saying that, you know, your own text contradict this. You know, I feel this is, this can be understood by a simple uh, uh, glitch that we are forgetting of the cyclic behavior of everything in the universe. For instance, Prem, suppose I say that somebody was born on a new moon day and uh, I say that the new moon day is two years ago. Then you say, no, no, new moon day occurred only 14 days back. How <laughs> this doesn't match, you know, your time scales are off, you're crazy, you're inventing things. I'm not crazy. Yes, 15 days ago was the new moon. But you know what, 30, uh, 45 days before also was the new moon. I mean, the full moon. And so this is a kind of cyclic pattern. So though the, though the recent most such kind of combination of planets, stars and all would have happened around 7000 years back, by cyclicality, every 7,000 years, such things will be happening. So, when Valmiki has got it spot on there with the combination of the stars and planets and other uh, constellations and the zodiacs. And, I mean, the, the beauty was, you know, each one of that matched. Like, suppose you put Rama's uh, birth chart that way. Mm-hmm. It was perfectly in sync with the other descriptions, like, for instance, Sita's or for the other brothers or Dasharatha's or the other ancestors of Rama. There was a perfect, this one, I mean, it was not like a random thing. You know, he was born in this star and, you know, so that's completely 7,000 years ago. This was like 3,000 years ago. That was only 2,000 ah. years ago. It was not like that. You could see that it was a historical account of a family and, you know, uh, a set of ancestors. And, uh, of course, you know, over time, definitions vary. For example, you know, here when we come to the bridge, modern day, it is called Adam's Bridge. And uh, if we see historical references to it, even during the Mughal, Mughal's time, you know, Mughal's time, it was called as Ramasetu. And if we go to ancient historical texts, it is called Nala Setu. Nala is the engineer who constructed I, the bridge. I think that was the name Rama himself gave, according to Valmiki Ramayana. Mm-hmm. Apparently, after the war, when they fly back in the Pushpakavimana, they don't take the bridge, you know, they're coming huh? back to the mainland. So, through the, I mean, from the Pushpakavimana, Rama actually describes the entire effort which was uh, put in to build that bridge to Mother Sita. Mm. So, that time he says that, you know, this is that bridge. This bridge is called Nala Setu because it was built by Nala. So, you see, there are references to it as Nala Setu and definitely devotion to Lord Rama made people call it Rama Setu. Right. Why will a Muslim Mughal historian record it as Rama Setu? 
in fact much much later uh, somewhere in the 18th century or 17th century uh, there is a, a muslim prophet or a saint you know who who crosses over to sri lanka uh, via this bridge and uh, his name was adam so the muslim name was not adam huh? I think in their uh, language Adam means the first one the first one just like they have Adam in right. uh, Christianity right. yes so he was po- uh, possibly the uh, first recognized sort of muslim in sri right. lanka right. so everybody there began to call that as adam's bridge and the british you know who are who came and conquered india and they ruled india for 200 300 years did so many good things did so many ruinous things one among the ruinous things they did was changing of names mumbai became bombay because they couldn't pronounce it mm-hmm. you know visakhapatnam became vizag tiruvananthapuram became trivandrum because you know <laughs> i think the tongues just don't roll as comfortably as a tongue that knows sanskrit possibly so so many like that you know uh, uh, bengaluru became bangalore Uh, Kolkata became Calcutta there is so many you know that's why we have seen a spurt of name renamings happening all over india so too i mean they possibly found it very tough to call it as nala setu or rama setu so instead of that they just called it adams bridge they didn't even keep it as adam you know they made it adams bridge and adams bridge is just a 200 year old name so that in itself points to this and uh, we were talking about cyclicality so in one of the cycles possibly it happened in one of the cycles and the recent most cycle was 7000 years back right. that is why this i feel we see these kind of uh, apparently disconnected uh, descriptions where somebody says that this is an age which is 7000 years ago while some others say that this is an age a few million years ago because i feel they are feel describing the 7000 is also not accepted people believe that it's much more recent than that oh. and that's why even the 7000 was a revelation to uh, you know uh, historians wow because been from the description from the ramayana the way the kingdom is described the way the kingdom structure is described you know there is a king he has a minister hmm. and there is the tradition of appointing a yuvaraja and all of this this kind of culture came much later that's what they say you know this kind of uh, hierarchy in administration came much much later probably uh, 2000 3000 years ago so even the idea that the, a kingdom like this existed 7000 years ago is contested that's why this proof itself was you know was quite a revelation and you know uh, it's amazing because valmiki in his shlokas describes exactly how the bridge was built he names about 30 40 genres of trees that were laid as the foundation on which rocks were placed after which uh, a kind of flat surface was made you know and uh, today if we actually check on this uh, bridge this bridge that is there ramasetu the bottom most part is carboniferous material which definitely is not a rock you know it is not a rock and right. it's not any uh, coral kind of a coral kind of thing it is right. carboniferous which means matter like coal what we have we know that coal has been formed by pressure and temperature acting on trees that had fallen millions of years ago so why do you find it in nowhere else in the world such a thing is there okay so that is another proof plus the uh, shape of the bridge you know it's in a slight curvature exactly coinciding with wherever the waters are shallow right it's amazing because uh, this is what any modern day brilliant engineer would do that is what has happened there and there is also this technique of building bridges by using a rope 
extending it to ensure that it's it is linear and it's going along the uh, distance least distance path right exactly that too has been followed in this bridge it's all amazing to see the number of proofs and you know uh, valmiki describes this bridge as being nearly a meter or so above the surface of the ocean and you know we shall see later as rama and all are crossing there are many of uh, the ocean creatures that jump up to have darshan, darshan of rama right. so this bridge was 1 meter above sea level and uh, today we see this bridge is not very deeply buried inside it's about 2 meters below sea level you know it's below 2 meters and uh, the area of greatest depth the bridge is about 7 or 8 meters below sea level and if we see this thing you know uh, as per the studies on global warming and all this they say that the ocean waters have risen because of global warming because of melting of ice to the extent of 9 feet in the past 7000 years right 9 feet in 7000 years you know it perfectly again sinks with that same time scale you know 7000 years 1 meter above the surface to 3 meters 2 uh, meters below the surface so many things that that thrill us you know into believing <laughs> into believing that this is a historical thing in any other case one one thing matching would be enough to give it credence and give it valuable time energy to find out the truth here there are so many things matching in fact prem you know just reading about all this has brought in me that kind of a very great urgency to visit rameshwaram myself i would love to do it because guess what there are videos on youtube which show that rocks at rameshwaram don't sink they float on the surface of water it's amazing and of course there are explanations people say that this this kind of rocks is this it has double densities part of it is less dense than water part of it is more dense than water that's why the rock always one half of it sinks in water the other <laughs> all that is fine man but why on earth should it be found only at that spot right and even the spot from which the bridge has been taken up prem you know if we see uh google maps the google earth image mm-hmm. to the southernmost tip right. it is not as if randomly said chalo let's start building the bridge from here they have looked out for a point which is in the extreme tip and finally one more thing you know of course as i said over uh, time over years our definitions may our definitions our measurement may vary but in the valmiki ramayana mm-hmm. he describes the bridge as being 100 yojanas long and 10 yojanas wide see today we interpret one yojana as 11 kilometers and we find whatever but uh, yeah maybe we will we will come to terms with that just as you know we come to terms with swami saying he will be there for 96 years and at 86 he left what is you know some things we may not be understanding but one interesting thing again here is this bridge that is there ramasetu between india and sri lanka guess what it is 35 kilometers long and it is about 3 and 1/2 kilometers wide so forget how much is the yojana it seems to be absolutely in proportion that has been mentioned you know 1 is to 10 is the proportion that uh, valmiki mentions 10 yojanas broad and 100 yojanas long and today even to this day it is 3.5 kilometers wide and about 35 kilometers long perfect you know it is simply so thrilling and as i said it just makes me want to visit rameshwaram right away asap right and talking about rameshwaram i think uh, one person who kind of recognized that this confusion is going to be there is vipishana 
hmm. you know who who believe that this kind of a debate might come in the later years probably that's why he comes up with this suggestion you know when the bridge is ready they are ready to embark on this journey go upon this that's when vibhishana comes to rama and says rama i want you to do one thing before you cross over to lanka and he says it would be wonderful if at this place if you commemorate the devotion of ravana you know because here is ravana is a great devotee of lord shiva he worships that aspect so aspect of divinity so to commemorate that you should do a worship for him to that lord shiva at this side of the ocean and establish a lingam here and worship it and build a temple for it and then proceed to attack his kingdom and you know he says that for years to come you know people will come and recognize this spot as the very spot from where you began your campaign and you know that is that very ramalingeshwar as we call it and rameshwaram is is that particular place which is even today i think there is the temple of uh, rameshwaram i don't know if it's the same lingam but definitely uh, it is worshiped at that as that place from where rama began his campaign and i think historically i mean even when we spoke about uh, the first muslim uh, philosopher who crossed over till as early as 1400s the bridge was still usable people Possible. could right you could walk over it and probably wade over a little bit of water maybe but you know that's that's how long it has remained and they believe that i think in 14 later uh, 1400s there was a cyclone which the uh, which kind of uh, destroyed most part parts of that bridge in fact to the village called dhanushkodi i was reading in wikipedia that is uh, a village in the extreme tip of india there was actually a a railway service right. by the british in the 1960s there was a storm 60s or 70s uh-huh. there was a there was a very very big cyclone which, which uh, kind of plucked out the uh, railway tracks right. and uh, i don't know i just felt you know uh, i may be wrong in my judgment but i just felt a little ashamed that uh, as indians we didn't do what the british did you know actually connecting it back reconnecting that area and preserving and you know whatever i just felt a little bad i just wished that again it is made it's made accessible and people can see it anyway it's so as you said vibhishana suggests that and he says that lord ravana is so devoted to shiva and of course what he's doing is foolish because it is the same shiva he's failing to recognize the same divinity that has descended to earth in another form now but still in commemoration of that i feel you should worship and rama agrees and as you said it's called ramalingeshwara the uh, linga set up by rama and i think hanuman is the one who right. brings the hanuman is sent to bring a linga which is appropriate to be installed there installed there right. it is installed and rama worships does the worship before actually embarking on this journey across the bridge because the bridge is built and ready and another thing i was just wondering is possibly a few wanderers would have been on the other side because having completed the bridge i don't know if they uh yeah, i think they they start preparing for the camp on the other side exactly because you know prem i remember when we went to hadshi swami's residence that was built there uh they said that swami would be entering you know this is the inauguration of that residence and there was a ribbon tied so i wanted to take a photograph of this you know uh, of swami inaugurating the house but i was wondering how because as swami was wheeled out of the car and you know taken in the in the chair oh there was a wall of people behind swami mm-hmm. i was wondering where on earth will i be able to get a picture of swami inaugurating that hall from so i rushed and i was thinking the only possible place where you can get an unrestricted view of this is from inside the residence but then i thought uh, how can i go inside the residence <laughs> it's not it been inaugurated 
uh, so thinking what to do anyway there was no use being behind swami so i rushed ahead uh, so that i thought i will get a few precious moments to plan out how to take the photograph and guess what when i peeped inside there were more than 15 people inside the house already you know <laughs> uh, there were some people at the kitchen there were some people at the room everyone everybody was there waiting to welcome swami but there was this ribbon tied across and so uh, mr jadav who who got the great privileged opportunity to play host to swami he was there and i just asked him i want to take a picture can i go in he said yeah sure he slightly lifted the uh, ribbon and you know i bent down and went inside and uh, yeah i've got that picture of swami pulling the ribbon to inaugurate the house so i feel you know though symbolically that's like the inauguration practically it makes sense that there were some people <laughs> that side so in the same way i i i think you know that there were vanaras who were already on the lankan shores and uh, possibly they would have even tested the bridge everything is fine but the actual inauguration of the bridge is when rama walks that's how it is right even to this day a bridge practically is inaugurated much before the workers the builders everybody will be walking up and down the bridge but when the inauguration is due that is the inauguration so that kind of inauguration ceremony it began with this worship to lord shiva in the form of the ramalingeshwara having done that rama decided that now is the time that is ripe let us walk across the bridge yeah imaginably i can remember i think in 2001 when swami inaugurated the uh, super specialty hospital in uh, whitefield mm-hmm. in fact swami insisted that by the time the inauguration happened there should be some patients already uh, you know admitted who are ready for surgery Mm. And I think Swami had told that you know when I come there with the Prime Minister, it will be so odd if it's empty. So when when actually the inauguration happened, mm. it was such a beautiful sight. Here was this hospital being inaugurated. The Prime Minister was sitting there, and we, we all know the structure how it is in in the Brindavan uh, Super Speciality, where the central dome area is. You know, overlooking that is the corridors of the various wards. Correct. And all over those places, there were patients standing there. and watching the inauguration and watching the inauguration <laughs> they were all admitted you know because swami said you know the inauguration is when it starts helping the people it's not when i come and cut the ribbon or the prime minister comes and cuts the ribbon swami said the inauguration is when you start serving so he said by the time the official inauguration happens people should be already admitted and being treated that statement inauguration is when you actually start serving it reminded me of another beautiful thing that happened after you know i joined the radio sai studios uh, we were uh, planning for a new video studio mm-hmm. where we would do video interviews and that is the studio that stands uh, where formerly the ice cream parlor was you know right. so that whole area was renovated and it was soundproofed and uh the audio engineers console was built and the lights were fitted and sound everything was done perfectly and that was when you know we asked our uh, director then professor gv gv sir uh, we told him sir we should call swami to inaugurate the studio and this was the exact statement that gv sir made you know he said the studio is inaugurated when we start serving swami to the people you know here we are um, actually in the sense this is a kitchen that cooks swami you know in that sense and serve swami onto the banquet tables all around the world so he said so that is a true inauguration it is don't wait for all this you know because those days it was becoming difficult to physically get swami's time i think it was 2008 or sometime so 
Sir Swami had physically started withdrawing. Obviously, in preparation for the time in 2011, when physically he wouldn't be available at all. So, as Swami was preparing, so therefore it was difficult to access him. And Jeevi Sir told us, "Don't worry, we will do it." So, on one fine morning, we all assembled. We just did bhajan and began and just started work. And I'm so happy to state that though Swami did not physically come for the inauguration of the studio, the first four five. Uh, projects that were executed by the studio, Swami was physically present and he viewed it and he heard it. The audio visuals that were generated after that studio came into being, Swami physically heard it and saw it at his residence in Yajur Mandir. And uh, it's not like even we lost an opportunity because that day possibly Swami had come for an hour. We ten fifteen of us who were here would have got an opportunity to sit at his lotus feet, but that just got uh, transformed into EMIs, <laughs> you know, uh, regular monthly installments like that. Because each time a different project was complete, different students, different staff members got the opportunity to present it to Swami and spend some unforgettable, beautiful moments in the divine presence of Bhagwan at Yajur Mandir. But all that happened because of. GV sir's faith in the statement that inauguration is when we start serving it is not it is just a formal way to mark the inauguration by you know cutting a ribbon or this one but otherwise we the inauguration is when we start serving your statement just triggered of this memory in me and i think uh, going by that what mandodri keeps telling ravana is very true because she says that you know your downfall does it start when rama enters lanka it's already started the moment you brought sita here and really the mission for the downfall of lanka has actually started then when ravana has done this stupid act and we will see now how repeated number of premonitions served to him you know means nothing to him and that's i mean the this particular phase which is going to follow is kind of the epitomization of that statement vinashakale viparita buddhi where the discrimination completely fails you when you have done the wrong thing and you are in a position nowhere to you know when the time of destruction comes near right you know nowhere to step back and so at this point in time dear listeners we will take a break and after this break we shall continue with the narration as rama and the vanara army which runs into millions and millions is ready to embark on this journey from Bharatavarsha to Lanka across the bridge that has just com- been completed. सुंदर रामा दशरथ नंदन राजा रामा कौस 
कौसल्यात्मज सुंदर रामा दशरथ नंदन राजा रामा कौसल्यात्मज सुंदर रामा दशरथ नंदन राजा रामा कौसल्यात्मज सुंदर रामा राम राम जय राजा रामा राघव मोहन मेघ श्यामा राम राम जय राजा रामा राघव मोहन मेघ श्यामा राम राम जय राजा रामा राघव मोहन मेघ श्यामा राम राम जय जय 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 राम राम दशरथ नंदन राजा रामा कौशल्यात्मज सुंदर रामा राम राम जय राजा रामा राघव मोहन मेघ श्यामा राम जय राजा रामा राघव मोहन मेघ श्यामा जय जय राम जय जय पतित पावन रघुपते रामा पतित पावन रघुपते रामा रघुपते राघवाजारामा वेलकम बैक डेलिसनेस वी वर टॉकिंग अबाउट द इवेंट्स दैट हैपेंड आफ्टर द Ramalingeshwaram was uh I mean the temple has been established they do the puja and now they are all ready and all set to cross the bridge and they're all waiting for orders from Lord Rama and that's when they start and as we said a lot of the vandras have already crossed over they must be setting the camp on the other side and i think uh, according to the description it takes just one day for them to cross over they they march ahead like a regular army in in ranks and in uh, files they cross over that bridge and i think so makes a lot of sense because the bridge even to this day is about 3 and 1/2 kilometers wide so imagine an army that is 3 and 1/2 kilometers wide that is marching so i think it, it was such a huge army that by the time rama that's how even swami describes you know by the time uh, rama lakshmana rama and lakshmana 
start their journey on the bridge the vanguard has already <laughs> reached lanka because uh, we saw it was 18 padmas right and right. padma is 10 to the power of uh, 17 15 or 16 ah yes so it's a huge number so it's very much possible that uh, the entire bridge was occupied at one point in time by the vanarasenite and uh, swami writes the description as rama crosses over all the denizens of the ocean they are jumping up jumping up to see whether rama is coming and i think you know they would have got confused i remember when uh, we had gone to delhi with bhagwan mm-hmm. uh, swami was in the uh, toyota estima that car okay uh, for he would go around in that and we were given one big bus mm-hmm. you know one big bus to uh, travel behind swami and the first time when we had to go out to dwarka grounds for a program we reached there i think about 15 minutes late because being a bus we were trapped more uh, terribly in traffic than swami's car so swami was very keenly looking out for the students and that is so beautiful prem you know it made me feel that nobody cares for us like god even in the physical sense you know nobody would be uh, concerned whether the students have reached or not only uh, the only reason for everyone being concerned with the students have come or not is because swami would be there you know swami would ask i remember even during the hardshi visit from hardshi when we traveled to bombay it was in a convoy it was by road that we traveled mm-hmm. and uh, two of us uh, sai prakash and myself were there reaching along with swami because we used our privilege as cameramen saying that we have to be wherever swami is and therefore in the security van we traveled so i remember swami came out of the uh, car at mumbai and uh, he saw us one with a video camera one with a still camera and the first statement that swami spoke publicly in mumbai was have all the boys come where are they you know i was i was so touched and again in delhi the same thing you know i'm telling you the concern and care and the love that the whole world gives let us not get fooled into thinking that the world loves us the world loves swami and because swami loves us the world loves us you know and uh, yeah <laughs> so that was a detour but yes so after that what happened was because they wanted to ensure that we reach along with swami we should be part of swami's convoy which means we should be in vehicles that are capable of traveling at the speed at which swami's car goes and therefore all of us were given the innova cars you know toyota mm-hmm. innova cars mm-hmm. so the toyota estima and toyota innova look very very similar you know mm-hmm. so unless you know swami is number plate once the convoy would come you know 15 16 vehicles it would be tough for people to <laughs> know which is swami's vehicle which is what and therefore you know what whoever was waiting for swami would just prostrate before all the vehicles you know <laughs> somewhere he is going to be there so i'm just thinking that would have been a similar kind of situation even for the uh, creatures of the ocean for the dolphins that are jumping up to see for the whales who want to have darshan of their lord how it must have been because they don't know where rama is and uh, as the depictions in some of our uh, comic books go it is like rama and lakshmana were not allowed to walk uh, i think hanuman carried them and you know they did not want rama and lakshmana to walk so they were carried on the shoulders so imagine an a vanara army that is about 30 kilometers long that's about 3 kilometers wide somewhere in between on the shoulders are rama and lakshmana and the whole army is reverberating with the chant jai jai to rama you know jai shri ram whole army is chant it must have been an a thrilling spectacle and i feel even if the denizens of the ocean missed having rama's darshan because 
Brahma was one tiny figure in the whole army, they would have been just thrilled with what was happening to be to being part of that energy to uh, for being part of that whole uh, you know celebration. So just like many of us, it happens, right? Sometimes we are in the Kulvanthal, we are at places where we are not able to see Swami, and yet we are able to feel Swami because of the energy, the vibrations that exist in the entire place. So I feel in that sense, all the denizens of the ocean and the sea were indeed blessed as the entire army crossed the bridge to reach Lanka. And going back to that, uh, you know, that same. Uh, spiritual understanding of the entire story. We always speak of Mother Sita representing uh, nature, Prakriti. That's what she's supposed to be. In many ways, if you see, she has drawn drama through this entire thing. You know, otherwise, probably Dandakarnya they would have gone back to Ayodhya. But she has been responsible for Rama to traverse this entire journey across, across the peninsula, come to Rameshwaram, come across the ocean. Probably, as we you know said. The, the creatures of the ocean would have never had this opportunity to behold the Lord in human form. All of them have this opportunity and imagine this entire thing is about, here is this one person who is so devoted to the Lord, who is so devoted that the Lord comes all the way, you know, to come and protect her, to save her honor. And I think that is the entire message. In fact, uh, after Rama reaches Lanka, there is an episode with Swami narrates, and I've heard Swami narrate this episode many, many times, where, uh, you know, Swami describes how Rama is pretending that he's very tired, he takes rest and then he looks at the moon. They reached Lanka, the shores of Lanka on a new, on a full moon day and Rama looks at the moon and starts asking questions and Swami explains what is the whole idea of this episode. In the Ramakatha, Swami explains it and, and mentions it in one paragraph but many, many times in his discourses, Swami would refer to this incident of Rama looking at the moon and asking everybody around, what do you think, do you, what do you see in the moon? And Swami explains why this was an important thing and why in many ways even the people around Rama were very similar to Ravana. And uh, it's a very beautiful explanation, probably we'll discuss about it after listening to it from Swami's own voice. This is in 1996, 25th of May, when Swami spoke about this particular incident. Ramayana Nirmulam Gavinche Nimitamai Nivruti Tatamane twenty Ramulu Wanaranto Cheri Samudrati Ramulo Unaru Rama reached the banks of the sea in order to kill this outward attitude, outward trend, and to develop the inward vision. Ravana Rajamantai Kudanu Pravati Margamande Pravati Stun Tundari. The entire kingdom of Ravana is outward in its Outward direction means ignorance, pomp and show and aggrandizement. In spite of all high knowledge education, Exalted position and physical strength, you never turn inward. Kanukani, Samudri Tiramanundu, Rama, Lachana, Sugriva, Angada, Jambavanta, Evirandaru Cheri, Anek Vidamil and Kutyuka, Mundu Zaragavas Nitinti Karikramundu, Palvurataniki, like an airport to Chestunar. All gathered along the seashore. 
రామ లక్ష్మణ సుగ్రీవ జాంబవాన్ అంగద మేకింగ్ ఆల్ నలుని ఒకవైపున నలుని ఒకవైపున అంగదుని ఒకవైపున జాంబవంతుని ఒకవైపున నియమిస్తూ వచ్చాడు రాముడు రామా స్టార్టెడ్ అపాయింటింగ్ పీపుల్ ఇన్ ఛార్జ్ ఇన్ డిఫరెంట్ డిరెక్షన్ జాంబవాన్ ఈ విధమైనటువంటి యొక్క ఏర్పాట్ల ఎందు మూగినటువంటి రాములు అలసినట్టుగా లక్ష్మణ తొడపైన తల పెట్టి పండుకున్నాడు అది పూర్ణిమ రాత్రి ఇట్ ఇస్ ఫుల్ మూన్ నైట్ కానీ రాములకు అలసట లేదు ఇన్ఫాక్ట్ రామా ఇస్ నెవర్ థాయర్ ఈ చెంత చేరినటువంటి యొక్క ప్రవృత్తి యొక్క తత్వాలను నివృత్తిగా మార్చే నిమిత్తమై ఒక విధమైనటువంటి యొక్క పరీక్షగా పూనుకున్నాడు రామా వాంటెడ్ టు టెస్ట్ హౌ పీపుల్ వుడ్ గో ఇన్వర్డ్ విత్ రిగార్డ్ టు ద ఫుల్ మూన్ నైట్ సుగ్రీవుడు కూడా నువ్వు ప్రవృత్తి రక్షణమే సుగ్రీవాడు నువ్వు ప్రవృత్తి రక్షణమే జాంబవంతుడు ప్రవృత్తి రక్షణమే నన్ను ప్రభుత్వ రక్షణమే వీరుడు ప్రభుత్వ రక్షణమే వీరందరినీ చేర్చుకుని అనేక విధములుగా రామచంద్రుడు తమాషగా పలుకరిస్తూ వచ్చాడు రామా స్టార్టెడ్ మేకింగ్ కైండ్ ఎంక్వైరీస్ విత్ ఆల్ ఫన్ అండ్ ఫ్రాలిక్ అంగదుడిని పిలిచాడు ఈ కాల్ అంగద అంగద చంద్రుడు ఎంత ప్రకాశిస్తున్నాడో చూడు సి హౌ అంగద హౌ మూన్ ఇస్ షైనింగ్ మచ్చలేని చంద్రుడిగా ఉంటున్నాడు అన్నాడు ఈ సెట్ దెర్ నో స్పాట్ ఇన్ ద మూన్ కానీ సుగ్రీవుడు వచ్చి స్వామి అందులో మచ్చ కూడా కనిపిస్తుండాది అన్నాడు Sugriva came and said, yes, there is a spot on the moon. Yemiti Amatsa annaad. What is that spot? Ii chendudu prakutu nundiye poyinakuntu vaadu kanuka, prakutu yaku sarupu venekuntu kondalu, guttalu, aa chendudu loo kanipistu nnaya annaad. He said, as just the moon is the product of nature, you find the mountains and valleys there in the moon. Suriudu, bhoomi, chendudu, vakkiye swarupu de. Sun, moon and earth are of the same form. ఈ మూడు కూడా మూడు ముక్కలుగా ఉంటున్నాయి త్రీ ఫేసెస్ కనుక ప్రకృతి ఎందు ఏ ఏ దృశ్యం ఉంటున్నావో అవన్నీ కూడా చంద్రు ఎందే కనిపిస్తూ ఉంటున్నది అన్నారు సో ఆల్ ద సీన్స్ దట్ యు ఫైండ్ ఇన్ నేచర్ ఆర్ వెరీ మచ్ ప్రెసెంట్ దేర్ ఇన్ ద మూ హనుమంతుడిని పిలిచాడు దెన్ హీ కాల్ హనుమా హనుమంత ఈ చంద్రుడిలో ఉన్నటువంటి మచ్చ ఏమిటి అన్నాడు హనుమాన్ వాట్ ఈస్ ద స్పాట్ దట్ యు ఫైండ్ ఇన్ ద మూ రామచంద్ర నాకే మచ్చలు కనిపించటం లేదు Rama, I don't find any spot there. Priya Sodharuda, you are not going to be able to find any spot there. You are not going to be able to find any spot there. As you have put your head on the lap of Lakshmana, the very head is reflected on the moon. That is the spot. Because you are not going to be able to find any spot there. You are not going to be able to find any spot there. Moon is a mirror. There you find the reflection of your head. Anaga, Sarvatra. రామచింతని రామస్వరూపమని నిరూపిస్తూ వస్తున్నాడు హనుమంతుడు లైక్ దిస్ హనుమాన్ డిమాన్స్ట్రేటెడ్ రామా హూ ఇస్ ఆల్ పర్వేజ్ డిస్క్రైబింగ్ వెరీ వెరీ ఇంపార్టెంట్ మెసేజ్ స్వామి స్పీకింగ్ అబౌట్ ప్రవృత్తి అండ్ నివృత్తి అండ్ ఇన్ఫాక్ట్ ఇన్ దాట్ ఇనిషియల్ పార్ట్ ఆఫ్ దాట్ డిస్కోర్స్ ఇఫ్ పీపుల్ వాంట్ గో అండ్ లిసన్ టు ఇట్ Swami speaks about how the entire Ramayana is, is uh, you know, the Lord trying to establish this Nivriti Marga. 
where he says the inward path that the inward path where he says that ravana epitomizes that rama epitomizes the nivritti marga and ravana epitomizes the pravritti marga and swami says the entire lanka was all about show and pomp hmm. uh, we are not going to come to that part but there is a later uh, section where swami mentions in the ramkatha where when the rakshasas realized that their time was coming you know probably in a day or two the the war would start and they would not live swami says they all start merry making you know mm-hmm. when you start realizing that you know you have very less time to live they all start merry making they all you know uh, start partying and probably i don't know what they were doing totally in contrast to as we spoke about you know somebody like parikshit when told that when you have very less time what do you do and this is precisely what swami is saying that here is this uh, kingdom which is filled with people who always are thinking about what they can take from nature and when uh, this entire episode swami explains and you know uh, the last part swami says hanuman looks at the moon and says the moon, the moon is like a mirror it reflects you mm. what he means is you know when i look at the nature when i look at the nature nature is like the moon which reflects my lord and the way you treat nature will be completely different the way you look at you will not look at it as a resource that has to be uh, you know exploited you will look at it as a reflection of your lord that is a beautiful explanation prem and when i was reading the same thing that is as that is written by swami in the ramkatha rasavahini another thought that came to me is that the moon is often compared to the mind mm-hmm. in fact it is said chandrama manaso jataha right chakshu suryo ajayata the eyes are compared to the sun while the mind is compared to the moon and uh, you know swami also says very often that mana eva manushyanam karanam bandha mokshayo the mind alone is responsible for liberation or bondage in fact he compares mind to a key and says you turn it right it unlocks unlocks you and liberates you you turn it to the left it locks you and you are stuck in bondage right. so the mind is just like a key which is a tool and it depends on how it is used so to the moon is attributeless it doesn't have attributes of its own and while some see defects on the moon some see crevices on the moon some see craters some see mountains hanuman sees rama and since the moon is a metaphorical representation of the mind i feel this is another i just felt that this was another way of saying yad bhavam tad bhavati yad bhavam tad drishyati what you feel is what you will see and uh, there are many such instances in the mahabharata when uh, krishna tells yudhishthira to go and find one bad person in the world yudhishthira comes back saying everybody in the world is good if at all there is a bad person probably it's me while duryodhana is told to find one good person in the world he comes back and tells krishna that lord there is nobody good in the world if at all somebody is good it possibly is me you know so what we see in the world is a reflection of the inner being if the world is a reflection of the inner being and therefore you know in the discourse swami says forget the outward view because everything outside is a reflection of the inner being therefore go the nivritti path look inside don't uh, you know like we can see on one side it is so frugal rama and the entire army though they have such might such power they are so f- uh, living so frugally you know living off twigs living off berries on the other hand on the brink of destruction you can see merry making there everything gold riches flaunting luxuries you know uh, today morning somebody just forwarded to me 
kind of itinerary of this so called uh, uh, sukshma this subtle body uh, nonsense uh, traveling across the world and all this mm-hmm. when i was reading ramkatha rasavahini again it came to that only you know there is so much of pravritti and nivritti going on here also uh, ramayana is being enacted right before our own eyes so like you like you know uh, swami said there is no difference between uh, the vanaras on this side and the rakshasas on the other side everybody is in the pravritti so while one step we have done right by ensuring <laughs> to to be on rama's side that much is not enough we have to go inward and become hanuman become hanuman then alone nothing of this world will be able to touch us this is the thought that i got as i was reading through this right absolutely i think this is not the first place where swami mentions this that you know sugriva also was not without flaws in, in fact the other part where there is that fight between vali and sugriva there is that uh, very significant statement with rama says that i'm not able to make out the difference between the two of you because in thinking both of you are very similar it's mm. not like he is a sinner and you are very noble it's just that this act distinguishes you from him you know where he has done something which is very heinous which is compared to you very similar to that you know here is rama saying that on this side too there are people who are uh, outward in their approach even in in the other camp there are people who are uh, outward in their approach but the only thing is here is a, a group of people who made that conscious decision to work for the lord with the lord mm. i think that that's a very important point uh, i think many of us get into this idea that oh, i'm not perfect in my devotion i'm not perfect in my love for swami and we we think very low of ourselves and probably we don't take that first step towards redemption at all but here is swami saying that you know it doesn't matter nobody is i mean everybody is not as perfect as hanuman in their love and devotion of course that is where we all have to reach but even this idea of choosing to be on the lord's side choosing to work for and with the lord is actually a very very important move that each one can take and i feel in the present day context prem it is so 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 very important you know uh, there was definitely there was vibhishna on ravana's side you know and vibhishna is a noble person and just because vibhishna is on the wrong side doesn't uh, mean that we should all go and join vibhishna side because come on vibhishna is a noble man so if he is on lanka's side then lanka itself is good it's not like that when the correct time came vibhishna gave up lanka and came back to the lord so the true devotees of the lord will give up the wrong side and return back to the lord but looking at that saying that you know we are no better than them that's right vibhishna is nobler than many of the vanaras possibly but the vanaras are special in their own way because in spite of all their flaws they stuck to rama's side you know today it's almost the time to conclude uh, but since it is in this flow let me say that you know when the vanaras actually reach the other side of lanka swami writes how they start throwing boulders inside lanka you know how they start taunting and teasing any of the rakshasas they see walking by loitering around uh, alone they bully them they harass them when you see that you realize they are no different from the rakshasas yes they are no different but there is one huge difference the rakshasas have chosen to be under ravana while the vanaras have chosen to be under rama i think that as you said while we evolve to the level of hanuman it is very very critical and very important that we make that choice and 
in spite of all our imperfections and faults we stick to the side of the lord we be on the side of the lord and we fight on the side of the lord and not against the lord against things that he has said standing and violating the very principles that he has propagated violating the very words that he has spoken i think that is something that we should not do and for that reason though the rakshasas and the monkeys were equal in terms of their jealousy their anger their irritation and all that one side was exalted and blessed while the other side was completely demolished because the vanaras in spite of all their faults chose to stand with the lord while the rakshasas though some of them were nobler than the vanaras chose to go against the lord i think that's a good takeaway very true i mean you just can't stop at looking at the uh, the inherent message of this whole thing as you said you know if we Swami often says, mind is a mad monkey. If you look at these Vanaras and the Rakshasa, they are so much similar. Probably you can say that, I mean, they are like the, the number of thoughts which cross our mind every day. Hmm. And if you, I mean, we have made that analogy many times before. Rama represents desire. But here is one whose desires is the rule of so many of these thoughts. You know, they are all following the desire of the mind. And here is Lord, whom as, as we have said, represents the atma and lakshmana who represent the buddhi when when all your thoughts actually serve you know the atma and the discriminatory discriminatory power in your mind you become the vanarasena which you know i mean in spite of all that what you said you know they do this they taunt them and they throw boulders into the palace and they must have definitely harmed so many people but when we speak of vanarasena we always speak of them as fortunate ones we speak of them as wise ones we speak of them as devotees it's because they were i mean i think that's the same thing we have you know we as devotees of swami have not given up jealousy we have not given up anger we have not given up some of these emotions but we all the time try to sublimate each of these emotions you know use anger to as a constructive anger when it is against uh, an unrighteous act you use your jealousy as we've said many times you know when you say that you know why am i not getting that love of swami why am i not fortunate enough to be a recipient of that love it's the same jealousy but you're sublimating that jealousy and turning it towards the lord i think this entire ramayana as we see i mean as beautifully swami has described it saying that you know the side has its flaws that side has its nobility because next week when we're going to speak we're going to speak the the amount of good advice that ravana got from his own camp which shows that there was no uh, I mean it was not like there was no nobility on that side but as we said there was one noble person vibhishana who chose the side wisely and the others would have to you know face perish better to perish for their perish, right wrong choices so dear listeners with that thought with that very important thought we would like to leave leave you that is a thought that is going on in our being also that irrespective of our flaws irrespective of the virtues on the other side the other side meaning uh, the side that is not on the side of the lord i feel we have to make a conscious decision to be on the side of the lord and to be on the side of the lord is to be on the side of his teachings of his words of his actions of the principles that he adhered to and encouraged everyone to adhere to with that thought we would like to offer the satsang at the lotus feet of our beloved bhagwan praying to him and with gratitude for this beautiful opportunity that he has given us to remember him think of him and feel him in our lives praying that all of you have a wonderful week ahead 
and wishing all of you a sai filled week where our love for swami keeps growing stronger and stronger every moment we take your leave and now you will listen to this bhajan on the other side of which you will be greeted by brother chandu with his segment thank you jai sai ram ram jayam ragu ram jayam raghav ramula premamayam राघव मंत्र राम सीतापति दशरथ सुत
जयम रघु राम जय 